Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 407. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. I am James Monroe Aguilar, uh, Agent... Uh, I'm not even an agent, I'm just JMI. How you doing? Yeah, JMI. That's good. <laughs> but James, we got some big news this week. I know. I, this, this is crazy. This is crazy. So go, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so we just announced Marvels, a new Marvel podcast series launching in fall 2019. The 10-episode series will be available exclusively on Stitcher Premium until 2020, when we will see it get a wide release across all podcast platforms. We've got like this press release that we yeah. released. Uh, has all the details. If you guys haven't heard about this news, we'll break it down for you. The series is part of our celebration marking the 25th anniversary of Marvels by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross. Love it. Uh, we did the... Like the remasters and yeah. the, the annotated Marvels we've yes. been releasing, which are gorgeous and full of information. Uh, we did a new issue of Marvels, which was wild and, and wonderful. We did the big poster book. So now we have the podcast, which I'm yes. so excited for because we've known about it for a while. I've like heard a bunch of stuff for it. And now we can talk about it. So based on Marvels, this podcast revisits the story of photojournalist Phil Sheldon as he navigates through the chaos caused by the Galactus invasion of New York City and explores what it means to be a human in the universe inhabited by superheroes. Oh, this is amazing. So the show cast includes Method Man, yo, Meth, as Ben Urich, uh, Anna Sophia Robb from Who's the Act as Marcia Hardesty and Ethan Peck, uh, you probably know him from In Time and Sorcerer's Apprentice as Mr. Fantastic and Seth Barish from Showtime's Billions as Phil Sheldon. That's a great starting cast. We also have Louisa Krauss as Sue Storm, Jake Hart as Ben Grimm, Ehad Barisha as Johnny Storm, T.O. Rap Olsen as Peter Parker, and Gabriela Ortega as Charlie Martinez. Uh, you're going to learn all about these characters. Yeah. And part of what's cool about this is you're like, who are some of these characters? This is a new story. It's yeah. great. It's very exciting. It's going to introduce you to all these new people, all these people that you think you know in a new way, and it's really, really cool. Yeah. Marvels is written by Lauren Shippen. Uh, you know her from The Bright Sessions and the AM Archives. Directed by Paul Bay from The Black Tapes and The Big Loop. Know that. Misha Stanton from The Bright Sessions, LeVar Burton Reads, and the AM Archives will oversee sound design, which... If you guys have listened to our Wolverine podcast... You guys know that there's some serious production going on. Legit. The series is produced by Harry Go. Harry is one of my favorite people. He's been at Marvel for a very long time. Started out as an intern. He is now producing this and so many other cool things. We're going to get him on the show at some point just because Harry and I, like, he's dope. I love Harry. Yeah. It is also produced by Jennifer Minnell, who's great, and T-Square of Stitcher. Awesome. Uh, so Lorraine has been off on secret assignments this week, uh, getting some cool hashtag content for This Week in Marvel and for other shows. She will be back soon. James, how the hell have you been? I have been uh, extremely, extremely busy, but I, I love you guys and I miss you guys. Currently, I am in rehearsals for Disney's Hercules, which is going to be a uh, group uh, dual effort with the Public Works uh, at the Public Theater. And um, I also got to do something that just came out August 6th. I am the narrator for my first Star Wars audiobook called Myths and Fables by George Mann. And basically, it's a book of short stories. And one of the stories, Link's I can't say which one links directly to the actual uh, Galaxy's Edge Ooh. in the Disney parks. But basically, these are myths and legends that are told in the Star Wars universe that like are bedtime stories or Grimm's fairy tales like that they would tell kids. Like there's a one about the dark wraith that comes to a town and if kids don't act right or people don't act right, the dark wraith just happens to come and take them out. The fun part is you can see similarities between certain characters you already know, between the dark wraith maybe, or um, the old man that seems to always come and help people that seem to be in trouble on Tatooine. It's... Nuts. It's my random house, and I just kind of sit back and go, I'm, I got to be part of the Star Wars universe. And I'm still in Hamilton and still doing a bunch of cartoons. So that's what's happening with my life. Cool. Not busy at all. No, really no, not, not, not at all. Not at all. Real, really chill summer. Well, good. Uh, thank you for taking the time to, to be here with us for the show. <laughs> Please don't thank you for letting me come back, Jesus. It's all good. Okay, so that's that's what your status. We talked about Lorraine. Yes. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the episode because we're going to have a little bit of a big talk this week about the Silver Surfer. Amazing. Uh, and this one actually comes as a request from listener Selen Yuxel. Um, Selen just emailed us and was like, hey, can you talk about Silver Surfer? He's my favorite character. All right, that's cool. It's that's so great. So 
You guys ask for something, we're going to deliver. Always. If you want to ask us to hit on something cool in a future episode, remember the email is twimpodcast at marvel.com and the hashtag is this week in Marvel. So we also have an interview with Australia's favorite son, Tom Taylor. We dig into the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man X23 and more. But before we get all that, though, uh, we have to get over the things we're going to hype this week, including the news. Yeah. James, you got to do it proper, brother. I'm going to tell you how we do it. Go ahead. We go, things we're hyped about this week, comma. <laughs> including news. Wait, 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 wait. Colon. Okay, so give Lorraine me, give, is now out of the give, colon. Give, 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 give me oh, a try. Give me a try. Give me a try. Things we are hyped about this week, comma, including the news. Colon. Perfect. Things we are hyped about. Uh, we're actually super, absolutely thrilled by Absolute Carnage right now. Yes. Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman. They were here uh, in Marvel. They were signing. They were signing at Midtown Comics. And their line was like 300 people long. It was crazy. wild. And you don't realize that there's, there's steps, there's <laughs> stairs to that place, to both versions of that place. So if you were in that line, you were a real fan. It's and hot. we said thank you. It's hot. It's hot. Seriously. In New York, it's like. Don't get, and don't get me wrong. I, I love Midtown, but their air conditioning is that <laughs> strong. Uh, they were also with us on Marvel Live. You yeah. can see that on the Marvel Twitter. Uh, so what we also revealed on Marvel Live is that there are 20 copies of the first printing of Absolute Carnage number one with original Mark Bagley sketches inside them. There's 20 pieces of original art found in these 20 different copies of the comic. We sent them out blindly, James. Just randomly. Seriously? 100%. That's amazing. I've only seen two popped up so far on social. And you can find these using the hashtag Carnage Rules. You can look on Twitter. I actually should, I haven't looked on Instagram. I was about to say, if you, if, if you guys have one, let us know. Let us know. Yeah. Please, you know, send us a tweet. Let us know what's going on. Please. We would please. love to see you. You with a picture of your comic would be freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, we also have a brand new Ultimate Comic for Absolute Carnage number one. Ultimate Comics are. Story, it's a video. It's yes. stories with voice acting and sound effects and a little bit of animation. Uh, so you get to hear a, a, an interpretation of Carnage and Spider-Man, and it's, it's nasty. I like it. Yeah. It's fun. So that's we're looking about some of that stuff. We also have plenty of history to talk about this week. We're covering the week of August 16th through the 22nd in this week in Marvel history. James, you want to kick it off? Sure. August 19th, 1951, Two-Gun Western number 11 includes Dick Iyer's first Marvel art on the on Apache Kid story. Dick worked on something along the lines of 1,000 comics for us over the course of 40 years, but his career as a cartoonist spans more than 60 years. Iyer's worked on a ton of Jack Kirby and penciled a ton of Sergeant Fury comics through the 60s. Yeah, he's a legend, and I don't think his name gets said enough, so I just want, I wanted to make sure we spotlight him. Definitely. Here. August 19th, 1953, Young Men, number 24, <laughs> is the start of the attempted Atlas Comics era reboot and return of the Human Torch, Captain America, and Namor. This one is really fascinating to me because Cap, he's last seen in Captain America's Weird Tales, number 74, from July 1949. Okay. It's a horror story in which Cap fights Red Skull in hell with the devil, <laughs> like, watching them, essentially. Okay, this is awesome. It is Bonkers. And then the next issue of the series doesn't even include Captain America, even though his name's in it. So he disappears for a couple years. Namor's last appearance before the Young Men issue is, I believe, as far as all my research can tell me, yeah. Submariner number 32 from March of 1949. So the trio... Show up in Young Men number 24, then they all get their titles brought back by the beginning of 1954. The thing is, Human Torch and Captain America only last three issues. Who goes longer? Your boy Namor! Because <laughs> he's Who would have thought? the best. He gets 10 issues, nice. uh, but they just, superheroes like try and they fail in the middle of the 1950s. So they just they just go away. They go away again. They 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 just stop until like it, by 1954-55. Yeah. We see um Fantastic 4 spark in 1961 and then like 1963 we get Cap back 1961-1962 Namor comes back, Human Torch comes back a little bit later. So yeah. And we don't we don't want to I don't want to go on too long but did, did the fans get confused when the Human Torch was in Fantastic 4 and it wasn't the Human Torch that they knew from before? Probably. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. seems like just so weird cuz you're like, "Oh wait, that's not the There's same." There's still confusion about that in some yeah. places. Yeah. But yeah, Jim Hammond has come back, and and um, he's now currently the Iron Torch. Nicely done. August twenty second, nineteen seventy two. Greer Nelson makes her first appearance as the Cat in the Cat Number One by Linda Fight, 
and uh, Maria Severin and Wally Wood. We get Greer's origin story as well as a revenge tale, which includes a really awesome sequence as Greer goes after an evil businessman who killed Greer's mentor and others. Greer's powers come from the cat's super suit with claws and enhanced senses, strength, agility, etc. All that kind of good stuff. You probably know Greer better as Tigra, a half-cat, half-human Avenger. Greer becomes Tigra in 1974's Giant Size Creatures number one. Yeah, the comic is wild. It's you know, of course Wally Wood, uh, Marie Severin. You know, legends. Something about the 70s where you could just do anything and it was okay. Yeah, right? (laughs) Uh, August 20th, 1974, Defenders number 17 by Len Wein and Sal Buscema introduces the Wrecking Crew in a pretty awesome double-page splash to end the issue. So the Wrecking Crew, I love them, one of my favorite villain groups. Uh, The Wrecker, who is the leader, he'd been around since the late 1960s, but this introduces the rest of the team, Thunderball, Bulldozer, and Piledriver. Also, in this issue... Luke Cage fights Doctor Strange and Nighthawk okay. uh, in construction building. He's, like, protecting the building, and he, like, just gets up to them. It's wild. <laughs> uh, the issue opens in the most hilarious way with the team just having a great old time watching Nighthawk try and fail to ride Valkyrie's <laughs> winged horse, Aragon. It is bonkers. Like, what you were just talking about in the 1970s? Yes. All that happens in one issue. It is wild. That is pretty cool, man. Yeah. August 19th, 1980, we have two great issues. An anime adaption of Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan's Tomb of Dracula comics called Dracula, Severant of the Damned, is first aired in Japan, and then it makes its way to the U.S. in 1983. Also, Uncanny X-Men number 139 by Chris Claremont and John Byrne have a few cool bits. Includes the first appearance of Stevie Hunter, a longtime X-Men supporting character, Kitty's dance teacher, and the team's physical therapist. Heather Hudson also debuts in this issue. Now, Heather has a badass battle suit, a cool name, the Vindicator, and led Alpha Flight. Plus, Kitty gets her first official code name, Sprite. Yeah, I love it because they, like... Professor X is like, how about Ariel? And she's like, no, that's dumb. You're dumb. You suck. <laughs> and it's so good. She's such a teenager. Uh, and then uh, Storm's like, what about Sprite? Because you're so great. And she's like, I love you, Storm. Yeah, Sprite's great. I don't remember. It's a couple issues later where she makes her own costume. And it is Wild. It's like when you let a child dress themselves. <laughs> it is exactly that. It's so good. She didn't stay Sprite that long. She just became Kitty. Yeah, yeah, she sticks to Kitty a lot. She was Shadowcat when that, she hung yes, out with. Yes. Uh, she became a ninja. I think yes. that's when she started as Shadowcat. Yeah, I remember that, that, that name I remember. Yeah. August 21st, 1998, the first Blade film. Dave walks into theaters and, oh, my God, I lost my mind. How good? Oh, my God. Listen, let me tell you. That, okay. When that, for the, for the first time that we had a brother step on screen, it's like the first time a kid ever sees a karate movie. He just goes outside and starts chopping and kicking stuff. Brothers are walking out with sticks and swords. and we, There was no need for some Most of us didn't even have swords. We just had, we just had sticks and swinging them at each other. Brothers were so... In 1998, I am literally in college just swinging like, ah, blade, talking all kinds of... It was so doggone cool. Yeah. It was so doggone cool. Yeah. I got to see it on 35mm at the Alamo Draft House last year for its 20th oh, anniversary. Wow. Man, it's, it's still so, it's so still it still so holds up. August twenty second, two thousand and twelve. Amazing Spider Man number six ninety two is a giant size fiftieth anniversary. A wonderful and amazing Spidey celebration, and there's nothing more cool than celebrating our regular, you know, friendly neighborhood Spider Man. Yeah, I love that fiftieth anniversary celebration. That was um, that was cool. We did a lot of really fun stuff for that. Uh, I guess we're going to be doing sixty years in just a couple years. Oh my god, man, Spidey. Looking I, good, I can, man. Looking good. I can honestly remember the the issue from 1992 of the 30th anniversary because at the end of the issue, all of his supporting cast were around him and they had a birthday cake. And it was like, happy 30th birthday, Spidey. And it was a in-world but also like wink to fans of like, we've been doing Spider-Man comics for 30, 30 years. years. That's... Yeah. So that was the history, but uh, we got to talk about stuff that is brand new. So one of the other shows I host is Marvel's The Pullist. I co-host that with Tucker Marcus. That is a weekly show where we dive into all the new Marvel comics that come out every week. We tell you why we get so excited for them. Uh, every week he picks two books. I pick two books. Is like these are the ones we can't stress enough. You have to read these comics. They're yeah, so good. So for this show. week, 
We chose Conan the Barbarian Exodus, number one, Fantastic Four, number 13, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number nine, and Silver Surfer Black, number three. If you're not listening to Marvel's The Pull List, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch video versions on Marvel.com. It is a great show. I'm a fan. Thank you. All right. So we just mentioned Silver Surfer Black number three. It is time for our big talk, which is all about Silver Surfer. This is in part because, yes, we have Silver Surfer comics out this week. But most importantly, this comes because of an email sent to us. Our email address is twimpodcast at marvel.com by listener Selen Yuxel, who says, Hello. My favorite character is Silver Surfer, so can you talk about Silver Surfer, please? And yes, we are here. Definitely, we can do that. Well, I I couldn't do it alone because I've had a very busy week. So thankfully, uh, our producer on the show, Persia, uh, she did a lot of the beginning research. She also added a lot of commentary, which I have told her. I'm going to read, and she's sitting right there. Uh, over the course of this, I will probably call Persia by several different names because I've given her a number of nicknames. Uh, Triple P, because she is our perturbed producer, Persia. I call her Trips because... Uh, Short for Triple P. Yeah, and also you and I have watched wrestling long enough. The way we, yes. Triple exactly. H is Triple always H. called Trips yes, by trips some people, so I've adopted that for her. She is basically the Triple H. I was about to say, yes, she is. She's basically like the cerebral assassin. Oh, God, no! Of our podcast, yes. Wow. Wow. Oh, boy. Uh, so, Persia, Triple P, Trips. The cerebral assassin will now be... <laughs> Damn it, James. You've doomed us all. But uh, big thanks, of course, to Persia for putting a lot of this together for us this week. Uh, All right, let's dive into things. Uh, First up, she says, Silver Surfer Black number three came out this week, plus Silver Surfer the Prodigal Son number one, which is correct. Both are great. Uh, You mentioned Peter David. He writes Prodigal Son. Love it. Really great couple of issues. And Silver Surfer Black number three is one of the most bonkers, beautiful, wild stories. Just a beautiful, beautiful story. Gosh, love it. Okay, so... Triple P says, I don't know much of anything about Silver Surfer. My dad once told me he used to read Silver Surfer comics and that he was like some cosmic philosopher dude who flies around alone. So the philosopher thing is totally true. And that really comes in in the Silver Surfer solo series that we see from Stan Lee and John Buscema. We'll get to that. That's like the late 60s, early 70s. Um, And then it was really like built upon from there. He's very brooding and sort of thinking about his choices. He doesn't need food. He doesn't need anything to sustain. So he gets to be this sort of wandering philosopher character. Yeah. So your dad is spot on, Trips. Persia continues, from what I've read myself, which is pretty much only like his first appearance, Marvels and Silver Surfer Black, I feel like all I've gathered is that he's some sort of baby star. He used to tell Galactus what to eat, and he's super ox. <laughs> all very Accurate. All very true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Baby Star is an interesting way of putting that he has the power cosmic. Yes. Which allows him to uh, kind of do anything. anything. Yeah. Um, not like he just he's like incredibly powerful. Yes. Right. And he could fly faster than the speed of light. He's also extremely powerful as far as like you know his strength is concerned yeah. and impenetrability. I mean like his invincibility. He's not invincible, but he's damn near close. Yeah. So yeah. Um, he used to tell Galactus what to eat. Yes, that yes. is him being the herald of Galactus. Yes. His job was to go out and find planets for Galactus to munch on. Which is how we found him when the Fantastic Four first met Silver Surfer, and he tried to warn them that Galactus was coming. That's right. And super awkward? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, but think about it. You have been turned into a basically an accomplice to mass murder yeah. in order to save <laughs> your the woman you love and yes. your planet. Yes. You've decided to then... Help commit universal genocide. And Over so countless, countless uh, places. I mean, it's not yeah. just like one place. I mean, you're going to galaxy to galaxy helping yeah. this entity destroy these galaxies just to save yours. Yeah. So you, you'd be a little awkward during a conversation. Like, well, you don't want to talk to me like, oh, my boss is going to eat you. I don't want to know you. I, right, right. It's like yeah. you don't want to, like, it's when you, when you meet a chicken. You're like, don't yeah. name it. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> that is really, that's like the <laughs> like, most spot like on. Don't name this planet. What yeah. planet is it? Ah, chicken. Don't tell me. Oh, gotta go. Bye. Okay, so uh, as Persia notes, he first appears in Fantastic Four number 48 from December 9th, 1965. It's the coming of Galactus, part of the Galactus trilogy. Yes. Uh, because he's the M freaking Herald, I guess. <laughs> this is true. He's the Herald. My favorite note in all of Perseus is this first bullet point says, the bald baby is there too. She also says by Stanley and Jack Kirby. The bald baby is what we call Uatu, the watcher. 
does. He legit. That is so great. We, he looks like a bald baby. He does, he does. look like a bald baby. Like, especially drawn then. Especially drawn oh, yeah. then. He didn't have the, you know, back then he didn't. Nowadays he has like the, you know, the cool black eyes and it's all kind of cat-like yeah. and amazing. Back then he looked like a bald baby. Yeah. And they like, they tried to swaddle him, but he got his arms out of it because he's wearing that big toga. Yes. So he's just like this bald baby. Especially there's one panel I was looking at in, in 48. And I was like, oh, I want to screenshot this and send it to Persia. But I actually had to continue working on of this course. piece. So Persia kept doing the work. She said, his origin story. Is told in Silver Surfer number one from 1968. He got a solo so fast. It is also written by Stan, but with pencils and brilliant covers. I added that note uh, by John Buscema. The cover to issue number four is one of the most iconic in all of Marvel history. It's Silver Surfer versus Thor. We've homaged that. We've used it in numerous programs. It is beautiful, like the the sense of power. Uh, Anyway, it turns out that Silver Surfer has a name. Percy says it's Norrin Rad. I remember that. Norrin Rad. What a good name, too. Yes, it's cool. And he's from the planet Zen La. He got entangled with Galactus, and this is Percy saying, who is a super mean purple baby eater. <laughs> <laughs> because while he was chilling with his lady Shalabal, Galactus turned up to destroy stuff, which is what he does. Yes. So Norrin makes a pact with Galactus to save his planet which involves him searching for other planets for Galactus to eat on a cool space surfboard. This is all accurate. Yes, I'm going to need uh, Triple P to actually encapsulate all movie reviews that I watch from now on. Like yeah. any movie I watch, I need her to like do her own version of it because this is like the coolest thing. This in the is world. the best like, thing possible. The, the descriptions are amazing. Yeah. Turns out events of Fantastic Four 48, 49, 50 are depicting how after a long servitude, the Fantastic Four manages to set the surfer free from his really sucky job. Yes. It is partially because he sees the humanity. He sees something in the Fantastic Four, in everything that's going on on Earth. He also, it's a, I think it's like that moment of meeting the chicken. You meet the people yeah. and it's a whole different thing. And when you meet the Fantastic Four, what they tell him and what he sees, what they do for the world, he kind of has a change of heart to to help. And they help him as well to get away from what he's having to deal with. Yeah. And so he ends up betraying Galactus. Galactus, he right. attacks him. And I added, yes, Silver Surfer is forced to stay on Earth by Galactus as punishment for defying him. Galactus essentially builds an invisible barrier around the planet for roughly 10 years time, give or take, you know, Marvel time is a little flexible, that every time Surfer would try to bounce back, he would, like, almost kill him. Like, he would hit it, and he would fall down, and it would just be bad. It was very difficult for him to get through it. There's some great Silver Surfer stuff in Fantastic Four, especially when Doctor Doom steals the power cosmic from issues 57 through 59. Then we're going to talk about the solo series, the first one. Triple P says the Silver Surfer solo series lasts two years and 18 issues, the last issue releasing around June of 1970. During the run, I think I added this part. During the run, Stan and John introduced Mephisto, another one of the greatest Marvel characters of all time. And I have to remind myself that Mephisto, like this representation of pure evil, is introduced in this Silver Surfer comic, the Cosmic Philosopher this sort of attempted paragon of good yes. now and, and redemption. Yes, and you have this paragon of, of evil at the yeah. same time. It's like you have two sides of the same coin. Just on each, that's He's just an awesome character. Great design as well. Oh, yeah. And then Jack Kirby comes back for the final issue of the run, and it is bananas. <laughs> Surfer versus the Inhumans. There's a, a, a lion dude with these claws. There's a centaur inhuman. There's a whole bunch. Of, there's a tree. A guy who looks kind of like Grudish yeah. inhuman. And they're all fight Silver Surfer. And he just gets so angry. At one point, Silver Surfer gets beaten up and you have this Yeah, do you know the the like famous work, the Pieta? Yes. There's um, uh, one of the inhumans holding, <laughs> holding Silver, Silver Surfer. Surfer like the Pieta. I'm like, what is happening? Here? I love it. <laughs> but the he gets very angry through this entire storyline. The last page is Silver Surfer yelling that he is now the deadliest foe to Earth. He is given into humanity's madness and wow. he is no longer pushing for peace. It is this beautiful Jack Kirby image. It is wild. It's so good. All this whole run is on Marvel Unlimited. Go check it out. That's um, that's my next thing. I'm doing that. Yeah. Uh, so during his time on Earth, Silver Surfer joins the Defenders, fights lots of folks, including new heralds of Galactus, Airwalker, and Terax. He deals with lots of Mephisto, Mishigas. Of course. Uh, Mephisto consistently comes up in Silver Surfer stories, which is great. Uh, Perseus says he doesn't seem to have another solo until Stan and John Byrne made one in 1982, but he appeared in many, many other comics. Uh, Yes, so the 1982 story is uh, like a sort of one-off. It has him escaping thanks to the Fantastic Four. They have this 
Reed builds this thing that shoots a beam, and then he's like, Surfer, you have to get like right at the right point to get out. And that's he actually gets out of Earth's atmosphere. Okay, on the and surf- he's like, Great, I'm gonna go to Zen La, I'm gonna see my girl, everything's gonna be great. Boo, 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 boo. But psych, she's on Earth because of <laughs> Mephisto. <laughs> Mephisto's like, Suck it, Surfer. So he gets to, sh- to, to Zen La, he finds that the planet is pretty much fried, it's really messed up. Shalabal's not there. Norrin actually has to end up going back to Earth, oh. gets stuck again. He <laughs> saves Shalabal. He uh, saves Zenla. He gives her some of his power, which helps. Re- she does some business to repopulate the planet. I don't. It's like it's like a real quick thing mm. right at the end of the story. Interesting. Uh, well, with cosmic power, like sure, can do anything. Exactly. Sure. Comic right. books can do anything. Comic comic books. That's the best way to say it. Yes. That's right. Uh, but the poor boy, the baby star, gets stuck on Earth again. Of course. Yeah. The Silver Surfer's most enduring series starts in 1987. It lasts 146 issues, plus a couple of annuals. Of course, during that run is the two-part Parable special uh, in 1988 by Stan Lee and Mobius, one of the most beautiful comics you're all ever going to read. I didn't know that. Yeah, dude. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I, I did not know. Yeah, I believe it's on Unlimited. I know for sure it's on the, the Marvel Comics app. Uh, so much of the first 30 or so issues of the 1987 series, written by Steve Englehart, art by Ron Lim, Marshall Rogers, and others. Ron Lim, super crucial to Silver Surfer, uh, like probably the most iconic past Jack and John yeah. uh, of like long term and, and most uh, influential. Jim Starlin, though, he comes in to write the book with issue number 34. And hot damn, that is my jam. <laughs> because Jim. Basically, starts setting up the Infinity Gauntlet from issue 34. Okay. And this is... This, this I remember. This is like 89-90. Yes. Infinity Gauntlet starts in 91. He uh, builds up to Infinity Gauntlet for about a year and a half. He brings back Thanos. He brings back Drax. He starts. He builds the relationship between Mephisto and Thanos. He does all kinds of stuff in this lead up. So if you've ever read Infinity Gauntlet and not read the Silver Surfer stuff by Starlin leading up to it, you're missing out on a whole chunk of like history. wonderful world building and history. That's cool. Yeah. Ron Mars then comes onto the book during the Infinity Gauntlet, which is around issue number 50. All the tie-ins, like Silver Surfer ties in directly to the Infinity Gauntlet series. Issues 55 and 56 are favorites of mine. So issue four of Infinity Gauntlet is the heroes versus... Thanos on Thanos's little planet. Yes. This is a like alternate take and it's so gruesome and it's so messed up and Silver Surfer gets basically enslaved by Thanos and like puts he puts like a weird like s and M collar I do, on. I do remember him. this one. Okay, this yeah, one, yes. it's got really, it's messed up. He makes him like see all these people he's killing. It's yes, gnarly. Definitely worth checking out. Again, if you've ever read Infinity Gauntlet and not read these issues, you're missing out on a whole lot of extra cool stuff. But one of my favorite runs of any comic ever. That is from Dan Slott and Michael and Laura Allward, Silver Surfer. Uh, it is set across two series, divided by the end of the entirety of all reality that was The Secret <laughs> Wars. The first series, I believe, starts in 2015. Um, all told, it's about 30 issues uh, between the two series. One of the most beautiful, weird, quirky, funny sad, Doctor Whoiest Marvel comics you will ever read. It literally brings Silver Surfer back to the beginning of time and then has him live the entirety of history, of, of time. Seriously? Yep. Issue 11 of, I can't remember if it's the first or the second run, is a Mobius strip. It is told front and backwards. You flip the book and it it, it is it is a looping story. It is like wow. unbelievable. Dan and, and Michael... Just doing some incredible work. Uh, the story, the series, lets him know love. He knows loss. He experiences everything alongside a regular human named Don Greenwood. Which you get to the end of that, you're just like a puddle. You're oh, a puddle. Oh, oh my god! Okay. Thinking about it gives me chills. It should be required reading for everyone who loves comics. Full stop. The end. If you've not read it, read both series, do that now. Getting it today. Yep. Uh, he's made, Silver Surfer has made some appearances since that. Series ended in 2017. Most notably in the current series, Silver Surfer Black by Donnie Cates and Trad Moore and Dave Stewart. I have to make sure I mention Dave Stewart. He's the colorist. Those nice. colors on that book are B-A-N-A-N-A-S. So yes. good. Pretty- it also sees Silver Surfer going back in time, but going back in time in a different way. So in this story, he is thrust through like a 
uh, a wormhole because of some action that happens in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. He's thrust into back in time. But now he's dealing with very different circumstances. We currently see him interacting with Null, the god of the symbiotes, so it connects yeah. it to Venom. Mm -hmm. It has him dealing with, uh, like, the whole cause of this ties into the Guardians of the Galaxy series, both of these which Donny Cates is also writing. Uh, it has so he's him got the world in his head, so it's cool. Exactly. Uh, it has him interacting with Ego, the living planet, and the last nice. issue, the issue that came out this week, the end of it, is such a, like, oh, punch you in the gut, like, this is happening. <laughs> and it, you get into that philosopher moral argument that Silver Surfer lives with yeah. uh, and what he's going to struggle with over the rest of the series. This is one of the most gorgeous and weird comics I've ever seen. I, I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, and then Triple P made sure to include that Silver Surfer Black is so pretty, I want to stick my whole head in this comic somehow. <laughs> yeah, I agree. This is all yeah. true. Uh, so that is a big, a little big talk about Silver Surfer. Thanks to uh, Listener Selen for the recommendation, the request. Uh, again, if you guys want us to talk about something, like, let us know. Any character, let us know. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. Okay. Cool, 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 That's cool, why cool. I said it. Yep. Knowing that I don't have to do the research, so knowing yeah. that Triple P will have some wonderful commentary on that, I pretty much say any characters. Yeah, go for it. I'm, I'm going to leave the building and not wait for her to throw shoes at the door. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. All right, so we were just talking about Silver Surfer, but I got to give big thanks to our advertiser this week, Marvel MasterCard, because, you guys, you can get so many cool things buying Silver Surfer comics if you have the Marvel MasterCard. Did you know you could be earning cashback rewards for buying those Silver Surfer comic books? How? With the Marvel MasterCard. Learn how at marvelmastercard.com slash twim. You could earn up to 3% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit card on comic books, movies, restaurants, and more with the Marvel MasterCard and 1% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on all of your other purchases. There's no limit on the cashback rewards you can earn. Enjoy special Marvel benefits like three months of Marvel Unlimited subscription, and you can choose your superhero from one of the six cool card designs like Iron Man, Black Panther, Spider-Man, just to name a few. Guys, this card is the card to have. Visit marvelmastercard.com slash twim to learn more and apply today. marvelmastercard.com slash T-W-I-M. You could also use your Marvel MasterCard to buy yourself some friendly neighborhood Spider-Man number 10, which also came out this week. And that leads us to our interview with Mr. Tom Taylor. I think he's now president of comics in Australia. Yes. He is, uh, he's a wild one. Uh, <laughs> he, he named an item after me. In the pages of uh, his Wolverine comics. No way. Yeah, his all-new Wolverine starring X-23, and uh, she's now called Scout. But she was called Honey Badger, Gabby, and Laura. They have a, a pelican statue, which is named after me. <laughs> it's called Panagos the Pelican. That is awesome. It's ridiculous. Uh, so Tom is, is a sweetheart. He's great. An amazing writer, and he makes me feel things all the time. Now He retweeted my stuff. He's really nice. Yeah. Let's now hear from Tom on this interview. Hi, Tom. How you doing? I'm really well, man. How are you? I'm, I'm great. Uh, so you're here at Marvel HQ, but you have come all the way from Australia. Yes. How long is that flight? Uh, from the time I left my house, the time I stepped in the hotel door was 29 hours. So that was, that was enough time. I've yeah. done the uh, back and forth to Australia three times. Yeah. Why did it take you 29 hours? Uh, well, there was a layover in uh, LA, so I was there for like three hours. And, yeah, I and I come from Melbourne, so that's that's further than further. Sydney or okay. Brisbane. Yeah. You're a trooper, though. Yes. You are you. fully cognizant. That's right. And it's great. Yeah, I'm sitting in a chair, and I'm very happy for it. <laughs> <laughs> Before we were recording, we were talking about Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, and issue number six recently came out by the time we were recording this. Why do you hate giving people joy? Because that that issue was just like a punch in the junk. I cannot tell you how much joy that has brought many people. <laughs> it's all about perspective, that one. It was a difficult one to land, but I've had people from all over the world contact me. People who, um, like, I know this is get, this going to get very serious, okay? Uh, but I've had people who are dealing with disease, who are in and out of hospitals, people who are terminal, people who have kids who are terminal, parents, lo loved ones, and they've all said for them it was a very 
positive book that you know that it was it was hard and I don't and most people who've read it have cried which actually being being a writer that's actually one of my main goals particularly to get people to cry on public transit you're one yeah. of the writers who's gotten me to cry multiple times good yeah no that makes that makes me very happy and I don't apologize for that uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah I, I'm just yeah. joking you know I'm just joking I loved I love the issue I love yeah. when you because that's why why we're here, right? You want right. to make people feel something. That's right, and I mean that's the point of stories. And my wife, who doesn't read many comics, like I, I said, please read this one, and she, and she cried and came and gave me a hug. I'm like, yes, yeah. And you, that's the thing you want to get through to people with these stories. Or what's the point? And for someone like Peter Parker, like that is the core for him. That was a story about him and what he puts out into the world and the the goodness and the time he has for the regular common man. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those classic stories it's you know reminding me like in 10 years i hope we are talking about it like we talk about the kid who collected spider-man yeah and look the kid who collected spider-man was a big you know prompter for that sure. obviously i had that in the back of my head and you know what what is today's version yeah and then it's just a matter of sticking the sinister 60 in there that was getting, so great getting juan to draw a 60 panel page <laughs> So I, I did want to ask you about those things. So yeah. first I read the issue and then I went yeah. back and I was like, all right, I'm going to count every character in this in this first spread yeah. uh, where you have the Sinister 60. I counted it so many times because I'm an idiot yeah. because I'm like, there's only 59 characters here. I was almost ready to call one of the editors <laughs> because I was like, guys, yeah. we messed up. Yeah. I've done this multiple times where I'm like, not I'm in my own head and I don't realize I've made the mistake. Yeah. And then I get, I was like, Right, there's one character left. That's right. There's the reveal. The reveal, which was yes. so good. Yes. D- what did Juan say when you like did when he got the script that said, oh, did it say draw all sixty? It. I I gave him about thirty and said if you if there's thirty you want or if you want me to come up with more go for it. But he we knew this like we knew the story we wanted to tell before I'd written it. Yeah. We we knew we we had something special, and he said. Let me go on a few pages. Let me let me literally stick a hundred panels in a thing. I'm like, really? And then I told him, Hey, I've just come up with this. It's a Sinister Sixty, and he's like, Bring it on! I'm like, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he's incredible. He's great. He's just one of the most inventive artists I've ever worked with. Like, there's Stiltman is in this issue, um, and he, they say he has the proportional powers of a man with a convenient stepladder, which is um, <laughs> one of my favorite lines ever. I, I woke up at seven a.m. Like, I got back out of bed. I hadn't been able to sleep. And my wife's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, going back to the computer. She's like, why? Because he has the proportional powers of a convenient ladder. And I'm like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, but as Stiltman's toppling, the panels are toppling and things like that. And that's all Juan. Like, he's, yeah, his storytelling is brilliant and people don't even notice it half the time. But Yeah. It's, yeah. And he, he's not been doing this for a terribly long. No. Like, there's so much road ahead yes you know i look at a guy like yeah. javier garon who's on you know miles morales right now yeah, yeah. and the stuff that he's like you look at some of these artists and they're just like they're starting to roll now oh, yeah. yep so we were doing a couple of things about the 70s and about the 80s me and cb were talking about um avengers like 160 to 162 george perez art yeah he was 24 oh years God. old and if you if you look at those pages it's revolting it's <laughs> <laughs> Maddening. And yeah. then just yesterday we were no. looking at Daredevil 181, no. the death of Electra issue. Frank Miller writing it, Klaus is on it, yep. you know, finishing up his art, but it's Miller's 25 years. I think he was just about to turn 25. Yeah. And I was just like, these guys, like so much ahead of them. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. And yet revolting at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I was just um, at lunch with, with Niccolo and Mark Pernicia and we we're talking about Garth Ennis and like him writing. What he was writing at 21 years old, it was ridiculous. What was what was the 21-year-old time? Uh, was that his Hellblazer Hellblazer stuff? Dangerous Habits. Oh, he wrote on. Dangerous Habits at 21. Come on. That's disgusting. Like, I'm sorry, you're not supposed to have that much talent or confidence at that age that you can give the devil, you know... Um, the holy Guinness, oh yeah. Gosh. Just come on, man. Oh. Stop it. Stop it. You're embarrassing us. Some of us are a bit older than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you're having a blast on. Oh man, head. having a great time. Yeah. yeah, it's it's spidey. It was you know, I had like eleven job offers at the time, and I was umming and ahhing, and you know, I've only got this much space, and then this one email said Spider Man. Like, eh. I'll ignore all those. <laughs> <laughs> Just yes, immediately yes. Yeah. yeah. When you get a job like Spidey, yeah. how long-term do you start to think? Do you like, okay, I want to do this, this, and this, or like I'm just, you know, where does it's, your brain go? It's tricky with something like this because it's a sister book to Amazing. So every, so almost everything I say, I'm like, hey, can I do this? And they're like, no. <laughs> and, you know, and then that's it. Um, so it is about, but 
with Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, everything you need to know is in the title, that it's about him and his neighborhood, and it's very small, personal stories. And the issue six, uh, Spider-Bite story, I had that figured out from kind of the beginning, you know, and I do want to tell a few more, like, one-shot, strong one-shot stories of just Spider-Man and who he is and who he embodies, yeah. and MJ and May. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like, the, the Undercity, what are we, what is it? Under York. Under York, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I thought was so cool. Yeah. I, I started, my brain started going, yeah. like, okay, how many layers does our New York have? Yeah, right. Because, you know, you have, like, the Morlock Tunnels, yep. and you have the Monster Metropolis, yep. and you have Under York, and, like, I'm sure there's, you know, more that we just haven't uncovered. Yeah, for and sure. It's just so fun. Yeah, no, and it was great to do come up with an idea and go yeah we're gonna use that for one issue yeah. <laughs> okay sure <laughs> yeah 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 uh I, I saw you tweeted i think it was today or yesterday that you miss writing the x-men X-Men oh, Red. Man, yeah x-men Red. I, I had so much fun on that book you know it's kind of weird like particularly having written laura and gabby for i don't know maybe three years four years maybe with x-men red as well and to like have them in your head every single day and then yeah. they go away it's like oh especially that like gabby who i created with them um, with david lopez it's like i i it's weird Letting them go. I'm glad she's – I'm so glad she's still around, you yeah. know, and I hope Hickman has plans for her because she's got a great big fan base of people who love her. But um, CB yeah. always – like because he knows I'm such a fan of yeah. Gabby and, you know, you, you know. Well, I, yeah, you're an official guardian of Gabby. That's right. Yeah. And he'll always like poke me. He's like, oh, you know, we're going to do something terrible to Gabby. <laughs> and I just like, I don't care that you're the editor-in-chief. Yeah. I'm going to take you down. Yes. Good. Yeah. We need T-shirts. <laughs> guardian of Gabby T-shirts. Yeah. 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 But it, so it's weird to then they're out of your head. Yeah, and I do. I mean, but Mariko has protected them so well. Like the voice that she has for them. Like there's so much respect there. Often you get people who come on and they just change it completely, or they don't uh, don't quite see them the same way as you. But Mariko, you know, we skyped together. We talked about the character, and and she's just kept her who she is while adding herself as well and what and who she is is great as well so she's a great match for the character and for laura yeah Yeah. uh we we recently had um an indian actor in the office yeah veer das yeah and i was telling him about trinary and just like you know the the breadth of of indian characters or indian american characters we have and i trinary to me is just still it's like Great look, yep. but like cool power. Really cool powers. You know, yeah. like where do you, you know, especially with an X-Man or a mutant, yep. you know, like it feels like any power has been done, but then you constantly finding new powers and new ways to tweak things. Yeah. Well, where does that come from? Well, it's more like, well, particularly something like X-Men Red, I want it to be, I want it to be X-Men for today. Like that was my whole thing. That's what I told them. I'm like. The the things we're going to be dealing with are things that people are dealing with now. It's 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 hatred spread through social media. It's you know it's it's um, all those things that the X Men used to embody, but it's slightly more out there, slightly more. And someone like uh, I call it Trinary, not Trinary. I don't know why. Um, someone like Trinary, it's like well, it's social media. It it's the internet, and so there needs to be someone who can harness all of that and manipulate it and speak directly to Facebook and to Twitter and harness that. In, in a way that's a force for good to be against all of the, the bile that's there. Yeah. Yeah. She Thanks. is the anti-internet comment section. Yeah. <laughs> we need more of her. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like there's there's this scene where she, I think she gets Gabby to, to sort of, there's all these, you know, anti-mutant pieces that are just made up news that's on Facebook and stuff and she gets Gabby to find stuff that's more positive and her whole job is to find mutants playing with kittens and puppies and like find stories like that and she feels that this is what she was born to do yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's so good uh you're you're also doing some Star Wars I am right yes yeah. that's pretty cool yeah. yeah what are the Star Wars books you got uh I'm doing some that we can talk about Star Wars Age of Resistance which is all the new characters so it's Finn and Poe and Ray and Rose Tycho and Kylo Ren and Hux and Snoke and Phasma. And I think that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> just, that's it? That's right, yeah. Just, just uh, it. And Maz. Maz as well are doing an issue with Maz and Han and Chewie, which is really cool. Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's great. I mean, they said they had those three. They had Rebellion and um, uh, Republic, which Jody and Greg ended up doing. And they sort of came to me and said, hey, which which one of these would you want to do? And I have I used to write Star Wars years ago, um, like 10 years ago. That's where I started. And I've, I've written Han and Luke and Larry. I've written my heroes. So I decided I wanted to write my kids' heroes. You know, the, like, like my particularly my eldest son, like Last Jedi is his 
Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Like we watched that movie together, and I turned around and the credits done, and he had both fists just raised in the air, like this this look of oh my god, I've just seen the greatest thing ever, Dad. <laughs> you know, I'm like yes, okay, yeah. So I wanted to write these characters for him, and there was actually another character instead of Rose um, that Lucasfilm wanted us to do, and. My son's favorite character was Rose. And I said, do you mind if I do this instead? And because of the amount that the actor copped and stuff, I wanted to tell a really sure. you know, good story of her and her sister, which I think people want to see. So, yeah, so you get a Rose and Paige story in the midst of this. And it's probably our most heartfelt one. Yeah, Can't wait. Those yeah, are gonna, yeah that, that comes this summer, right? Yeah, I think yeah. the first one's out uh, July. July. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. July. So I think Finn and Phasma are out in July, and then we, we just keep rolling. It's great. Does yeah. it feel fun coming back to Star Wars? It really does. Yeah. yeah, it's really it's really nice. Like it's it's. I mean, if I'd come straight back to what I used to do, it would probably be like ah okay. But this feels like a real progression. I've gotten to progress with the films, you know, and and tell stories of these characters that haven't been explored so much. Like there aren't that many Rose stories. There aren't that many Finn stories. So it was really cool to think of something else and to sow the seeds of what we get to see in the films like to tell story of finn on Starkiller base and show that that empathy beginning to form and that little bit yeah. of rebellion yeah yeah you are some like one of the busiest guys i i, I think in comics right now yes because of course you've got your your marvel books so yes spider-man yes Spider-Man and and star, star wars, wars yeah, you not, know it's great things yeah. you've got a couple things for our distinguished competition which yes. I, I will tell you i don't get a chance to read a lot of stuff yeah but i i just get your stuff because i know Thank you're you. gonna do it Cheers. and so i know i'm gonna like it even if it's characters i don't have a, the deepest affinity for yeah i know i'm gonna get the great story yeah. and so <laughs> you're doing all that plus television you're still doing the deep right yeah i still got my tv series yeah. so tell uh, if our listeners don't know what the deep is sure a little uh the deep is about a multiracial family of underwater explorers who live in a submarine and their adventures how many times have you said that uh probably six or seven million <laughs> uh it is it's just pure joy it's on all over the world it's on every country in multiple languages it's number one in many european countries um, and it's just a pure joy TV series. Um, it's it's on Netflix in the states and um, and NBC Universal, I think. And it's yeah, it's just there's no violence, no anything. It's all peril based action and you know some underlying environmentalism and stuff that we that isn't quite Captain Planet levels. <laughs> but he is our hero, and he's going to take pollution <laughs> down to zero. <laughs> Did you ever see the Don Cheadle video? No. <laughs> there's I a should, yeah. there's a like college humor or. What's the like one of those other humor sites? Yeah, uh, where he plays a Captain Planet now. Awesome, it's real good. Great, okay, really I will check good. it out. Yeah. yeah, Tom, you're always a delight. Thank you for coming in and spending a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah. I know you're super busy, so Thanks I appreciate me. it. Cheers, and uh, hopefully I'll catch you again this year. Yeah, rock. All right, big thanks to Tom Taylor for coming in here all the way from Australia. <laughs> is, that a, is that a good accent? That was, that was awesome. Thank you. Great. Uh, I always support my colleagues no matter what. I appreciate it. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, we're about to go into our community, but first things first, we have to have a question of the week. I was thinking about this one since we talked so much about Silver Surfer. What if we ask everybody, what is your favorite Silver Surfer story or moment or memory? You know, I talked a lot about some of the things that I loved in, in our big talk, but I right. also... I didn't even mention um, – I know it's not a beloved film, but Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, <laughs> the the look – The look. Of Silver Surfer. Is fantastic. And it, it's Lawrence Fishburne. It is Lawrence Fishburne as his voice. Like and that yes, is kind of so perfect. Well. It was so well done. When he like melts into yes. the board mm-hmm. and like goes from one side to the other. And looks under. Oh, yeah. man. For me, the Silver Surfer aspect of it is – awesome yeah they kind of i mean yeah i know they'll probably do something again later on in life but as far as like the design at that time and what we were doing in movies that was the best design for silver surfer i think they could have done yeah it looks incredible yeah uh so make sure you send us your favorite silver surfer uh moment stories or memories using hashtag this week in marvel you can also email them to twin podcast at marvel.com or send a message to our facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in marvel we've got a couple in here our community is wonderful this one brings me so much joy it's rp67 saying so my baby boy was born last week congratulations congratulations and it's really the best feeling ever. He is decked out in all Marvel gear, and he's already a fan. <sighs> but we've got a villain in the midst. No. Uh, he says, my wife made a joke that he's going to be a DC fan. She's a real, he says jokester. I would say she's a real joker. Nice. Uh, 
I, I love it, RP. Uh, this makes me so happy. Congratulations. Uh, Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Uh, trips, remind me to hit him up on Twitter uh, because someone with a new baby is going to be up all night long. Might as well have some comics to read. Definitely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send some your way, RP. Uh, the Tech Lord, Absolute Carnage was as great as they said it would be. Definitely my twim of the week. Hashtag This Week in Marvel. That is awesome. Thank you, Tech Lord. That is amazing. So good. 60 pages of delicious disgustingness. <laughs> uh, Tim Massing says, hey, my This Week in Marvel of the week was the latest podcast episode. I've listened to Skillet since... And he puts in parentheses, an amount of time that would make the band and myself feel old. <laughs> and to hear they are working with Marvel is just a crazy Venn diagram. Thank you, Tim. They are, they're, they're sweet. Jiggy Cruz. It says, Agent M and Lorraine, Secret Invasion has been my favorite event book. How it was built up, the tie-ins, the actual book, the aftermath, the art, exclamation point, awesome sauce, and all that jazz. Couldn't trust anyone during that time. So good with six O's. That's how you know it's dope. Yeah. I love Secret Invasion so much. Me Scrolls. too. Me too. I'm that conspiracy theorist hoping that that'll be like a TV series or movie. Oof. I really want it to happen. Fingers crossed. I really want it to happen. Yeah. You know? I would love it. Uh, that's it. That's the end of the episode. I think we did it. I think we did it. Thanks, guys. This is awesome fun. Thank you for letting me come back. Yeah. And if uh, if you're in New York, they can see you. Um, uh, if, if you're in New York between um, August 31st and September 8th, you can come to the Public Works at the Public Theater at the Delacorte Theater. Uh, so many theaters. Um, to see Disney's Hercules. Just Google in Disney's Hercules musical. Trust me, it'll take you right there. And also you can check out, if you can or if you've been waiting, to see um, Hamilton, an American musical on Broadway as well. And, uh, you know, you can also find me in different things that are on Netflix and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Freestyle Love Supreme? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, wow. Freestyle Love Supreme is coming to Broadway. Broadway, uh, September 13th through January 5th. It is a uh, improvisational musical uh, where you throw words at us and we create the entire show. It is never the same show twice. And some of your favorite people will be there. Davi Diggs, Chris Jackson, as well as the amazing, legendary Lin-Manuel Miranda and, of course, Tony Award winning winner myself, James Marwigal. We'll all be there having a great time, making up an entire show and basically making you laugh uh, all for about 90 minutes. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Thanks, James. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Ryan. I'm James. This is Marvel. Your universe.